Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back once again, as if we never left. It's the Black Psychologist Podcast, episode 34. And I'll be one of your humble and gracious hosts this evening, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I, and I am him. And of course, You've been tuning in and watching us, and you know that I'm never by myself. I'm here with my guy. What you going to do when the Dr. Jason Mania runs wild on you? The one I'm known, maniacs. <laughs> I'm the one the maniac, only man. Dr. Jason Maniacs. <laughs> Yo, you know, I'll, I'll never talk over. I'll, I try not to talk over you, but listen, man. I, I didn't know you was going to say that, of course, but, you know, I'm a hokomaniac, man. You Ultimate got that Warrior right, brother. My favorite, though. Ultimate Warrior was my favorite, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had energy for days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, well, <laughs> all right, I got a question before we even get into it. Yeah, yeah. If you had to pick any wrestler to be your alter ego, who would it be? Um, I'm going with Brett the Hitman Hart, man. All right. Yeah, I'm going with, he had, I'm he going had the with glasses. He had, he, had the, he had the jacket. Like, he came out, man, you know? Yo, you know, you know what? That's a good choice, man, because he had that swag. You yeah, know, he had, yeah. He, he had it all, man. You know? Yeah. I, I yeah. think I'm a, I would go with Macho Man Randy Savage, man. He's the, the wrestling version of DMX. You know, oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Uh, you can't go wrong with, with, with Macho Man. That's that right, Mr. Mr. Slim Jim. You can't go wrong with that. Well, you know, I, I always mess up the chemistry, but let, let's let, we get back to right, we get back to what, what the people yeah. are here for. Real quick, since you meant you brought up X, I meant to hit you up even before off air and everything. There was a new doc that came out on HBO uh, with, with DMX. It's really good. It's like his time, like in 2019 when he was on tour, when he got out of prison. It's a good joint, man. Really good. Okay. So check it out. Anybody, any DMX fans, check it out. Um, but yeah, getting back on um, on pace, on schedule. Uh, episode 34, Jay. So um, yeah, we're moving right along. Appreciate everybody watching, listening. Uh, the comments, the feedback, the subscribing, we definitely appreciate it. So continue, you know, to, to listen in and tune in and watch us um, and continue sharing. We definitely appreciate it. I just, again, I just want to thank everybody who takes, you know, time out to listen. Um, feeling good this week. We got a couple of emails just with people just saying thank you for the content and just, you know, appreciative of, you know, everything we're doing and sharing it. So, Definitely appreciative to everybody, and please continue to like, you know, the videos, share, comment, whatever you do. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're going to get into it, man. Um, so before we went on um, Thanksgiving break, and speaking of that, how was your Thanksgiving break, man? How was your holiday? Oh, it was good, man. You know, I got got to the stuffing, you know, yeah. and we we all got along pretty good this week, this year, so everything was cool. Uh, what about yourself? As well, you should have. Everything was cool, man. You know, I picked up baby girl. She was down, down here hanging out uh, for a week. Then we went back up there, um, you know, caught a caught a basketball game. So, yeah, it was cool. And, you know, I you know, I did my turkey. You know that, you know, I would make a sandwich for like four or five days, bro. Uh, did, did you fry it? Did you try to fry the turkey or what? No, nah, you know, yeah. I might fry it next year. I I, I stayed, you know, I, I did right, my well, thing. You know, I, I just listen, I kept the traditional. If you're going to do that, make sure you do it outside. Don't end up on YouTube. Yeah, no, I can't. Never that. Not 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 on YouTube for the wrong reasons. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, before we um before a uh, week or so before we went into the break, uh, there was a unfortunate video that went viral um, talking about uh, domestic violence, man. Um, it was a really, really horrific video of of a former NFL player, Zach Stacy, um, just um, just you know, abusing, uh, I think it was his, um, his child's mother. Um, and the video went viral. It was the video for those people who haven't seen it. Um, you know, throwing her across the room to a TV, um, you know, also, you know, throwing to, I think the baby bouncer or the baby Walker. It was just, it was a sick video, man. You know, I had a lot of personal reactions to it. 
Um, and this also goes, you know, we're going to get more into not just that video, but also just the issue behind it and how it's connected with um, with COVID-19. Um, but just, you know, immediately for me, I had a lot of personal reactions to that video. Um, and what also stood out for me was that following, you know, the video and then also um, some of the information that was coming out afterwards was that he was going to be going to court and he was checking himself into the mental into a mental health facility. Right. Like December 1st or 2nd or something. So um, and so a lot of people were contacting me. I saw a lot of different, you know, articles and things that were coming out that were associating his behavior with mental health. Right. Or with mental illness. Um, and I feel like that's a common assumption that domestic abuse is caused by a partner's mental health condition. And, um, you know, and, you know, I, I'm going to try not to go on a rant, but there's nothing in the DSM five that states a mental illness can solely cause anyone to be abusive in a relationship. You know, now, however, there are some distinct diagnoses that can increase, you know, abusive patterns. Um, that'll show up in a relationship in other areas of that person's life, but nothing that says that this is solely going to cause that person um, to abuse their loved one. Um, you know, you know, and I know when a person is experiencing a mental health issue or an illness, you know, all areas of their life is impacted, right? Their work life, their relationship with their friends, family engagements, and personal relationships are impacted. So, you know, abusive behavior um, and any type of relationship is completely separate from, you know, mental illness, two separate entities. So I always, you know, want to start off on kind of with that distinction before, you know, again, that stigma continues to get reinforced. I mean, I mean, of course, I mean, I didn't think we really had to say that, but in these times, maybe you do that, you know, being a batterer, being a batterer or, of uh, physically abusing women is not a mental health disorder, right? It may mean that you're an insecure man, right? It may mean that you're a jerk, right? Or more than that, um, you, you, you got character issues, morality, the whole bit, but it's, it's not a mental health disorder. Right? You got to own that, right? Um, one perspective I'm going to take on this video is that I think this is one of the uh, positive things about social media, yeah. right? Um, and I mean that in terms of <clears throat> number one, the outrage, right? This obviously this video gave me the chills, it, it, it remnants of like Ray Rice in the elevator and all of that, um, in terms of just how bad it was. Um, but also, see, again, you know, like when we deal with abuse and neglect victims, right? Physical abuse as well, um, but much more with sexual abuse. A lot of the biggest problems we have is no physical evidence, right? Physical abuse is a little different, you know, because we, we've all seen a cliche person with like sunglasses on in the mall or, you know, in the wintertime or whatever. Um, but again, when we talk about sexual abuse and, and, and a lot of different types of emotional abuse, different things, there's a lack of evidence, right? And that even changes a lot more. We talked about it with the Bill Cosby thing when you start talking about a power differential. Right now, he's an ex football player, so it's fair to assume that he's financially stable, or he should be, unless he's just irresponsible. She's a, a a PhD student, right? So it's fair to assume maybe that she's not as well off as him, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason why I say it comes into play is because a situation like this, if it's not recorded, right, and he doesn't do severe damage to her, you can see this guy hiding behind lawyers, expensive lawyers, and getting the charges downgraded and downgraded and going to hide in a mental health facility, right? Talking about his childhood was so bad. Right. And all of a sudden, there's no DV charge anymore, right? <clears throat> and here you have her, as a result of this situation, saying that she's experiencing symptoms of PTSD and now feeling empowered enough to, re to report that he's been abusing her since the baby was inside of her, right? So on, because of that, I'm going to say that this is one of the good things about social media, right? Because when this video goes up, the authorities got to do something. People are outraged and you can't deny it happened. That's why he went on the run, right? Mm. That's why you see stuff like that. If somebody sued him for $100 million, he wouldn't go on the run. 
right? Because his arrogance would probably say, I can go get a lawyer and beat it. When you see that type of behavior, you, you, you're talking about somebody that's scared, number one, right? It feels like finally there's a situation that's out of my control. So he runs, probably on the phone with his lawyer. Oh, we're going to do this and that. And he turns himself in. But the bottom line is, I think um, technology <clears throat> kind of helps victims in cases like this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like who knows if that I think it was a baby cam or some type of whatever uh, was being recorded. If that doesn't go out where we're you know, are we even talking about this right now? Right. Right. And that's the thing with. You Odds know, are we're probably not because he he's going through a press conference. Say she just wants money because the relationship didn't work out. And then what? Right. Then people choose their sides. No, and I'm really happy you mentioned something like. Um, where it's a character flaw, right? It's a, you know, whenever you see that type of abuse in any type of situation, like that's a value system, right? Your value system is unhealthy. That's that's not their psychology, right? It can appear as it's, it's a mental illness, you know, when a person gets upset and they're using like any type of physical or verbal abuse. Um, but you got to look at it, right? If we really step back and take a look at it, like if this abuse were caused by mental illness, then that same person, you know, say if we're talking about him, the case that would be a situation where they'd be yelling and hitting everyone. Right. It wouldn't be a situation where they're just, you know, they're, they're, you know what I mean? They're just focusing on like his baby mom or whatever the family, right? Yeah. It would be everywhere if it was mental illness. Right. So that's another distinction where we have to look at it. Like, no, it's not a situation where, okay, this, we can, like you say, he can go maybe pull that mental health card and run and, be, and do all those different things. So his charges can get less. Like, no, we got to step away and actually look at this and think logically. So this doesn't unfortunately get looped into, you know, Oh, it's, it's the mental illness. It's X, Y, and Z. And like, nah, brother, this, this is your values. This is a character situation, bro. Right. And we have to understand that every grown man, that has problems managing their emotions or challenges with emotional regulation. It's not because their mama didn't hug them or because they have a mental health disorder. For some people, again, it's character, it's behavior and it's choice, right? We can't, we can't look, you know, um, for that, for, uh, for a cause in terms of like uh, mental health or, or, or even, even uh, medical health unless an individual is is under the, the um, unless the individual has has taken certain medications right and we're talking about a select select slice of people right so it's an excuse um so again he has to own that um you know the fact that he was supposed to check into a mental health facility it's not unsurprising you know we see celebrities do this all the time um but it doesn't distract from the fact that you know he has to own this um and, you know, it seems like, you know, not to make light of this situation, you know, um, she, it seems like he has the right one too. He did this to the wrong person, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, she's well aware of the impact of her, on herself and on the baby, right? So this is not a person that you can uh, uh, gaslight and make to believe, you know, that um, trauma isn't trauma. Let me just leave it there. Absolutely. And, you know, what this video highlighted is that, you know, there have been other different, you know, this has been an ongoing thing, but even more so because of COVID. Right. So we've talked about in the past and other episodes of how, you know, there have been a lot of different other issues that have been that have come to light because of COVID. Right. We talked about, yeah. you know, more isolation. We talked about the financial issues. We talked about, you know, people's mental health, um, you know, declining during um, but this is something that wasn't talked about. And, you know, we came across a couple articles where, you know, this has been one of the hidden costs of the COVID-19 pandemic. Right. There's been an alarming rise in domestic violence. Um, and some of the stats that came out were that um, 911 dispatchers have reported 7.5 more calls related to domestic violence disputes um, since, pan you know, since COVID-19 took place. And advocates, kind of similar to what you said, Jay, speculate like the actual numbers are probably likely higher because so many domestic violence cases or victims don't report their abuse. So like we said, in this young woman's case, if that baby cam isn't on, does this even come to light? 
Right. There was another one, um, for, according to the American Journal of Emer Emergency Medicine, they said domestic violent cases have increased by 25 to 33 percent globally since 2020. And they said pregnant women and women with infant age children are also at higher risk for domestic violence. Right. Yes. Sounds very familiar to what this young lady reported. So what do you think reading through these articles, you know, what was your takeaway and what do you think is contributing to this? I mean, I listen. I don't know the cause. I, I would just tell you right now, I don't know. Um, when you kind of look at just the problems in families that families have been experiencing during COVID, some of it is financial stress, right? People out of work, you know. Um, some of it is the 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 reorganization of like schedules, right? People having to spend more time together that they haven't. Um, you know, some of it is is people not having access to their normal coping skills, whether that be the gym or or, or adopting maladaptive ones such as substance use, right? But yeah, none of it is an excuse, right, to hit your partner in the face or in the body or emotionally abuse them or whatever, right? Um, we're we're supposed to find new coping skills. That's why at the beginning of this, when we first started talking, I believe like the first or second kind of show we did, we were talking about COVID. Um, and we're talking about if at the end of this pandemic, you have the same skill set as the beginning, you know, then, then congratulations, you've wasted two years, right? Um, the, one of, the, one of the, the, the biggest opportunities everyone has had with this, with this uh, pandemic is to kind of reinvent yourself in, 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 a, in one way or another, you know? Um, and that doesn't always involve money, you know, even if it's not a skill, you know, it could be repairing a relationship, right? It could be checking in with somebody that you know is home a little bit more than, than, than you had before. So, again, I don't know what contributes to it. Um, you know, that's for people that are way smarter than me. But, you know, those are just some of the things that have contributed to stress in general. No, but see, I think with that, you're on to something, right? Because you said a lot of families were experiencing a lot of issues, right? a lot of financial things. So I think due to like layoffs or loss of income, if you were living in isolation, you were having to spend more time with say that abuser, right? If your partner is already abusing you, now you have to spend more time, like you're right there in the lion's den, right? right. And especially like if you're having financial issues, you know, he's already up here, he or she might be already struggling with, you know, issues as far as managing their frustration. Like now it's like, Home is like the most dangerous place now for a victim because right. now the COVID-19, like you said, it's highlighted issues that were already there. So now it's only getting worse. And now the person that's getting the brunt of it, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally is right there. So like this, I feel like COVID-19 is like just exacerbated those symptoms. And now it made things easier for the perpetrators because now the, the victim is not even really able to maneuver or go anywhere. Like they don't have that outlet. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's great. So, you know, um, it's tough. You know, it really is tough because, you know, as you know, the impact is that as the victim, you're like the only person that's seeing like this behavior, right? Especially like it's just like in-house, like the behavior is just like isolating for the victim. Um, and like you said, the abuser sometimes is able to control the narrative, right? Yes. They're able to, you know, no one else is going to believe, you know, the victim and all these other different things. So um, it's tough. It's a tough situation. I, I hope that um, that video, um, as I imagine, it's probably, you know, it probably activated a lot of trauma for a lot of other different individuals that have experienced that in their life. But like you were mentioning, I hope that it also brings to light one, not just for his particular situation or their situation that other people speak out. Cause sometimes, you know, there's this power in seeing someone else go through something where, you know, now that's strength for numbers, right? More people start to come out. Some people gain that strength over somebody else's story because you're seeing her fight back, right? You're seeing her talk about her story and it's getting out there. So, um, you know, I'll end off with this. I'm, I'm hoping that one um, more people, you know, reach out and find uh, some of those resources and stay safe, um, you know, as we continue to go through this pandemic because the pandemic's not over. Um, and to anybody listening or watching, you know, um, you know, even if a person does have a mental illness, that's not an excuse for abuse. Like you said earlier, Jack, you know, abuse is a choice. Um, 
which is, you know, you're trying to maintain some type of power or control over somebody. So if a partner is abusive, regardless whether they have a mental illness or not, like they don't have the right to treat anyone in that manner. And, you know, it's a situation where that needs to be addressed separately if that person even does have a mental illness. So, you know, I'll, uh, I'll end up off on that. And um, I hope, you know, justice is served in their situation. All right. So something else that was also, um, you know, trending uh, last week, uh, last Friday, uh, Minnesota Vikings defensive end Everson Griffin announced that uh, that he has bipolar disorder in an Instagram post. All right. So I'm going to read his post. All right. He says, it's true. I am bipolar. I will embrace it and I will be an advocate for mental health. I've been running from it from a long time and I'm not ashamed of it anymore. It all started when my mother passed away and I went into a dark place. Thought I was great for many years. I promised this time I would do everything the experts say and my wife. I love my family. I miss my friends. Thank you all for your love and support, but mostly all thank you for all your prayers. All right. So this comes off the heels of an incident that occurred when which he was uh, transported to a mental health facility last Wednesday um, mm -hmm. after he refused to come out of his house uh, following like a series of like concerning posts that he made on Instagram, including one in which like he like held a gun. Uh, he said people were trying to kill him. Like his mood was very elevated. Like, you know, his uh, he was like pacing. I think he had um, he had called 911 like shortly after like 3 a.m. Uh, and was said someone was in his home, something that he needed help from the police. And he had fired, um, you know, a, a couple shots, I, I think. Um, and so that's where all of this stems from. So luckily, um, unfortunately, law enforcement and other Vikings um, team personnel were on site and in communication with him later that morning. And uh, he, you know, eventually came out. Of, and I mean, he came out of his house without any incident. And then, Later that afternoon, he was taken to the uh, mental health facility. So as you read this, you kind of got this information as it was unfolding. Uh, what came up for you, Jack? Um, I mean, listen, it's just, it's a sad situation. Um, you know, obviously it was shocking because he's a high profile person. Um, you know, but he's not the... He's not the only high-profile person, right, to have, like, a, a, a manic episode. Um, definitely not the only one. I don't want to single out specific people. Um, but I, I, I will say this. Um, I, I got to give him credit for making the post, right, because bipolar disorder is one of the most stigmatizing mental health disorders that we have, right? Um and it's also one of the most challenging to manage for the patient and, and for the, for the provider mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, and I just want people to bear with me. Right. Because when we talk about mania, sometimes it could demonstrate itself as like, you know, somebody who's extremely animated, somebody that has a lot of energy, or it could also, you know, kind of play out the way we've seen this situation with somebody that is aggressive. Right. Or um, internally, focusing their aggression on themselves and threats, suicidal threats and different things like that. Um, so I just want to say that before I say it's one of the most difficult disorders to treat because there's often a lack of insight, of course, when the person is manic, you know, so they don't want help, you know. Um, and when you're talking about the animated person, right? Um, I'm not saying Kanye West, but Kanye West-ish, right? Um, Allegedly, that feels good to a lot of people, you know, and, and, and that's one thing, you know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, like when somebody is manic and they have resources and they're spending money and they're driving 100 miles an hour and they're having sex and going on on on, on shopping spree, it feels good to them, you know. Um, so that's what I mean, like in terms of the lack of insight and, and flip that all the way 180 degrees and take that same person and make them irritated and annoyed. Neither one of those people want your help. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's probably why ultimately, well, not probably, but that's why ultimately, you know, they become a risk to themselves or other people. Right. So I, I would just say that I'm glad he's willing to accept the help now, you know, and when we deal with patients that experience like manic episodes, 
it's best not to stigmatize them and just support them, right? Because we have to realize that when a person is manic, like that insight is just not there, you know? Um, so you can't hold people to things necessarily, you know, that they're doing when they're in a, a, man, a manic state, right? This is different than Zach Stacy, right? Way different. He, so that's kind of all I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna leave leave it alone. You know, this mental health disorder is personal to me. Not, I'm not personally diagnosed, but it's close to me. You know, um, so when you know people that struggle with this, um, you know, it makes you sim- sensitive to um, the the experience and how difficult it is to provide the truth. You know, how, did, how did you feel when you when you saw this, man? You know, the thing that that stood out for me and you mentioned it, um, I'm going to tease it out, was the, the stigma, because all throughout with his post is self stigma. Right. Like he talked about the shame. Right. He talked about not being ashamed of it anymore. He talked about, you know, I was thought I was great for many years. And that's what happens. Not only the stigma of one bipolar disorder and how that gets labeled or associated with crazy. Um, but then there's the self stigma that a lot of people struggle with and experience, right? So you're talking about that self stigma just around mental health and how that starts to manifest just negative attitudes that internalize shame. And he talked about being not being ashamed of it anymore, um, about living with a mental illness or you know, about their condition. And, you know, that manifests, man, when you start to have or when people start to experience that, that self-shame, that that's what gets in the way of treatment. Right. You either fear treatment, you either you're ashamed of it, you're embarrassed and you keep a large number of people, some people that are supportive because he talked about it. He said the experts, he talked about his wife. Right. He's going to listen to them now. And that's what happens right out of those those feelings. You're reluctant to either believe in treatment or want to even engage in it. So, you know, and I can't imagine what that's like. Like you said, you know, it's close to us because we either have family members or we treat, right? We treat our clients, we treat our patients. And, but I can't imagine what it's like having that shame of who you are and having that shame of what you're suffering. And then you have to suffer, which creates a vicious cycle of more suffering, right? And then a lot of times it's like that your perception of what you're going through might also be off, right? It might be a situation where, like he says, you know, I, I thought I was good for many years. And like, you've heard it before, even from some of your clients where, you know, where they chalk it up or they minimize what they've been experiencing until, you know, I just need to get some sleep, right? I'm just tired, right? All these different things. So I'm happy because that was something that really stood out was that, yeah, he, this guy, it appeared, I don't know him, but it appeared that he was experiencing a lot of self-shame that was kind of prohibiting and getting in the way um, of him getting that that help. The other thing is that I was happy that not only law enforcement was there, but the personnel, there was a, the Vikings team psychologist was there. Right. So you see the difference when you actually have someone that, and I don't know how familiar he was with, you know, um, with Mr. Griffin, with his, um, you know, with his, his situation, but it's a big difference as you can see when you had actually have mental health personnel there, right. That will be in contact that can talk to him. And I don't know how things played out, but results and situations usually tend, you know, to end in a more positive manner in a safe manner for the person that's experiencing the crisis. Right. I'm happy that, you know, the psychologist was able to be on site and that, you know, it happened without incident. And, you know, he has the opportunity to educate others about mental illness. You know, anytime we have a situation like this, you know, you have that, you know, that ability where it's like he can kind of reduce that that stigma. Right. Because you have external stigma, then you have that self stigma that was. So, um, you know, I, I'm champion for him. I hope that, you know, he continues to. Um, get the service and get the treatment, get the support that he needs um, outside of football. And I'm happy. It sounds like, um, you know, the Vikings gave him time to be away and and work on things. And um, I just hope that he continues to be the advocate that he says is going to be and, you know, uh, continue to reduce that, that stigma that's, that surrounds mental health. Yeah, man. Uh, Again, most importantly, I'm just glad that it resolved itself, you know, without anybody being hurt. Absolutely. So um, we're seeing that a lot, Jay. You know, we saw the um, the Eagles player. We got, you know, it's it's a lot. It's coming out, man. 
So it's definitely something to continue to watch. All right. Music artist YG is making sure that folks in his community are getting the proper care that it comes uh, that they deserve when it comes to maintaining their mental health. All right. All right. So YG recently, uh, his telehealth vans teamed up with um, NFL running back Todd Gurley and uh, Dion Rambo. I think I'm saying that right. Um, yeah. Co-founder Dion Rambo. Um, and they came up with um, tele- telehealth van. OK, so this is a service um, that they created for people in inner cities. Um, and it works like you basically don't have to leave your house. Right. So if you're having a, like a mental health situation or you have doctors that you need to talk to, the van actually comes to your location and you get in the van and it's basically like doing a Zoom call. Um, you know, you're able to see your mental health worker or your physician over the screen and then you have your session. Right. Sounds pretty cool. So uh, YG talked about what inspired uh, this initiative. And he said when he was. um you know, I think it was an interview that he had when he was on the breakfast club. And he said, yo, he said, listen, um, he said they was talking to me and he's been having conversations about mental health and how a lot of our people uh, we like we're like mental health victims. He said they started telling me different forms of mental health. And so I'm like, damn, I'm a victim of this shit. He said, I'm really you know, I ain't really know what the shit really was until they started breaking it down. So, um you know, he said this is what inspired, you know, this initiative. What are your thoughts, Jeff? I mean, this is great. You know, I mean, this should be in every city that has an underserved population, right? Um, it's a big solution and a simple solution to a great problem, right? Because when we talk about like underserved populations, there's mainly three barriers. It's going to be access to, to quality services. Um, transportation and insurance, right? And this takes away two of those big problems, access and transportation. So it's a big thing. It can help a lot of families, um, you know, it can help a lot of people in rural communities, in the cities, you know, um, and just places where they need it. Um, The only other thing I'll really say about this article is that um, it's just another example of how, um, and now I'm kind of moving on to something else he said in terms of when he was saying that when they was talking to him basically about, he was saying, I'm a victim of this too, right? He's talking about mental health. People have to understand that trauma is not just, and I'm not directing it at him. I, I give him a lot of credit, but trauma is not just being in a tsunami, right? If you see somebody killed in front of your face, that's trauma. Community violence is trauma, right? So just because some of the things we see, you know, um, we, we, we brush them off as normal, we got to understand that we, we do internalize them and we do deal with them, right? And, I'm, and again, it, it's funny because I don't know if we've ever talked about this, right? But when I was in, I went to school in DC, right? So when I was in school, I was living in a certain area off campus and I, I seen somebody get murdered outside my window, right? This is a long time ago, right? But at the time, let me be very honest, like the murder rate in DC has always been off the book. In DC, they've always played with guns. So you always hear about people getting killed, whether we're going to school there or, or not, or whether we, we, we don't have to be in the streets there to, 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 to know what's going on in the neighborhood that you live in, you know what I mean? Um, so it's very regular. It's like certain cities, you know, uh, D.C., Baltimore, North, there's certain cities where, where, where it's common. So I only say that to say that I didn't process that. I saw somebody put six bullets in somebody probably 30 feet away from my face and then watch the man walk up and make sure he was dead before he walked off. I was more concerned about retribution for me seeing it. Right. And I got up the next day and I went to class and I minded my business. And it may be a, a, a cowardly response, but at 18, 19 years old, I was more worried about my life. Oh, that's that's right? self-preservation, bro. Right. Right. Um, but I only say that to say I didn't think about going to no therapist. I, I mean, I, I shook it off as to like this is what goes on. Right. Because 
it didn't matter if, if, if it, it, it hadn't, if, if, it, if it was the first time I had seen something like that. I had everybody, majority of people I've known has seen things like that. Or a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. So I only say that to say, like, we have to recognize that things that we look at as normal are not sometimes, right? Um, and that is me going to another state to see that. Imagine if that happens outside your building once a year, once a month. You know, community violence is real. But what, what did you think? And and that was the part, like what he said about like he didn't know, which I feel like is even more important, right? Because absolutely getting people to their appointments, getting folks um you know, the transportation aspect is crucial because that's definitely something that's severely like lacking in a lot of, um, you know, marginalized communities. But it was the mental health literacy part that really stood out for me because we don't know. Right. Like you said, we're just kind of desensitized to a lot of different things that we see and we don't realize that we are a victim of it. Right. We don't know what trauma necessarily looks like we don't know what the depression or the anxiety we don't know what those symptoms look like we just kind of continue moving forward and then when it manifests in so many different variety of behaviors and symptoms right that's when the issues start to arise or by that time sometimes it's too late because we might have gotten arrested we might have all these other different things might have taken place so i like that aspect of uh the mental health literacy aspect of it because I believe included um, in some of the services that they they help them um, fill out like some of the the, um, the mental health like the billing and some of the other different aspects that a lot of people tend to struggle with. Right, they're giving them an education about okay, this is what depression is, this is what anxiety looks like, this is what all these other different things that we unfortunately in our communities we don't know, right. Or some things we're just not going to address because of we have to, you know what I mean, self-preserve ourselves or we have to kind of continue going about our business. So that was a thing that I, I'm really happy that he acknowledged it because a lot of people may not feel comfortable saying that they don't know what depression is. They don't know what trauma is. I didn't know that I would, what, you know what I mean? What Yo, does my brother, like? what you just said is gold. A lot of people, especially when you talk about people in co- of color, are, are caught in survival mode. Some people in survival mode for their whole life, right? They don't, which means that processing trauma, nah, you ain't got time to process trauma if it's going to keep coming. Exactly. If I live in an area where people getting shot every day, sitting around processing somebody getting shot on Monday when on Tuesday it's going to be a different type of violence. It's going to hit different for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so what you said is, is, um, is gold, man, because a lot of us culturally I'm talking about now, not me specifically, you know, are walking around living in survival mode. Right. And for some people that's going to mean, think about fight or flight for some, for some people that's going to mean, that they're gonna be passive and avoided and timid. And for some people that's mean that they're gonna walk around in a state of aggression and irritability, right? Um, so when we see people, you know, it's hard to do, you know what I mean? But um, we gotta start considering the whole picture, you know, cause it's very hard to do. Like it's easy to listen to it from, y, from YG, right? Because we respect YG, we like his music, he has a platform. You know, someone a lot of people look up to, you know, but there's millions of people, okay, you know, that are experiencing, you know, that that are having just the outcomes, that they're experiencing just the effects, you know, and we're treating them, you know, like they're the problem, right? Where, whereas if you put a lot of us, you know, in some of those situations, we will react the same way or worse, but we might not survive. Exactly. You know, so what I also liked um, is that he has the support of the city. Right. So the support of the city has been fully behind him. And that makes a big difference. Right. It's a big difference between when whether you're your own entity and you're doing this, you're supplying, you're financing all of this yourself or when you have like the mayor is supporting you. Right. right. When you put the city behind you, because now you have re- more resources. Right. Now you can make more of an impact. Now you have more way, more advertisement right 
now it's the information is getting out there. So, you know, I'm happy that um, that he was able to partner and the city is, is behind him. And, you know, this is great, man. Like I he wants to continue to expand this um, into different areas and just he wants to continue to grow because this is a glaring issue in healthcare. And so, like, he's single handedly addressing a lot of those particular issues and barriers that we experience in healthcare. So, um, you know, shout out to him man. you know, continue to champion him and um, wish him way more success um, with this endeavor. Definitely agree. All right, Jay. So what does a typical hug look like for you? All right. Like, are you, are you giving like the bear hug? Are you giving like the church hug, but your, but your butt is sticking out. Like what, what <laughs> that? I mean, you giving the side, like what, Listen, what's a typical hug cir- from, from Dr. J look like? Circumstances matter. Right. So if I see you, I'm going to give you the, the bro half hug. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the, the, yeah. the pounding and the pulling, the half yeah. hug. You know what I mean? Okay. If, I see somebody that if I if I see somebody who let's see let's say they're a female and they're familiar, right? But it's like your wife or my brother's wife, I'm gonna give them a side hug, probably. Like, hey, how you doing? Right. Right. Um, if I ain't seen somebody in a long time, I'm gonna give them the bear hug, you know. If I don't like you, I'm gonna give you the one second church hug, or I'm gonna just salute you and I ain't gonna hug you at all. I'm gonna be like, yo. Elbows because it's COVID. Mm-hmm. So I got a couple of options. So you got you got a whole toolbox of hugs. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So nobody's getting hugs from me. It's COVID, bro. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's getting debt. <laughs> Yo, man. I am mad at you. Yo, listen, bro. It's a cold world out here, baby. But it's even colder with COVID, man. I am mad. You know, I'm vaccinated, brother. I feel like Iron Man. Go by, brother, but I'm not taking that chance. They got the om, the the um, the, uh, the what is it? The the what's what's the new variant that's out? Uh, the, um, Omicron or something? Yeah, the, Om- the, Omicron? yeah, the Omarion joint. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Omicron variant, right? I'm, I can't, I'm man. Yeah. I can't. So, <laughs> so a group of psychologists um, recently did a study of how long the perfect hug should last. Now, mm-hmm. if you're listening and watching, you're probably asking why. Why would someone do a study like this? And I'm going to tell you why. Because we psychologists, we are scientists and we are researchers, all right? And if something can be studied, or measured, or quantified, guess what? We're going to do just that because that's what we do, all right? So a group of psychologists at the Goldsmiths University of London have revealed key aspects of the ideal hug, right? Including optimal time length and the style of the squeeze. All right. So I'm going to break it down. All right. So they found that a longer hug between five and 10 seconds uh, delivered more. Well, you know what? Let me let me let me go back. Right. All right. Uh, this is how they did it. They enlisted 48 participants, all women, due to like resource constraints or whatever. So they they paired them up and they had them hug one another at intervals of one, five and 10 seconds. And in two different hugging patterns, either like the crisscross or the neck waist. All right. The, all right. The former has each hugger entwined the other in a diagonal pattern with the arm over the shoulder and the other has the side around the side and the latter sees the huggers with their arms around each other's necks and just throw over the shoulders. All right. So these volunteers, right, were also blindfolded to avoid visual feedback and influencing touch perception. So following the sessions, the participants would then report how long the hugs left them feeling like immediately, right? How long it left them feeling like after the hug uh, and then after three minutes to post hug and then once more again at six minutes. And then they would use words like pleasant, arousing, under control, things of that nature. Right. All right. So they found out this is the results. They found that a longer hug between five and 10 seconds delivered a more positive aspect or impact, I'm sorry, uh, compared to the shorter ones. They also learned that arm positioning, whether it was crisscrossed or uh, around the waist or over the shoulder, that didn't matter. All right. They found that one second hugs were regarded as less pleasant and under control than five or 10 second ones. All right. So, uh, yeah. 
that's what that's what happened. In another experiment, researchers observed hugs to be between 206 men and women, uh, which prompted them to rate their experience from scale from zero to 100. Um, and they found that the crisscross style was the most common approach between men and women. All right. What do you think about these results, man, as far as this hugging? Uh, how, how does it? All right. You well, listen. Results? All right. I'm going to have to make a disclaimer first. Okay. First is, is this. Um, I, I agree with the results, but I want to say this from the, from the rep. I think hugs from certain people, it doesn't matter how long they are, right? So hugs from my mother, don't matter if it's a, if it's a second long or 10 seconds long, it's going to make me feel equally as good, right? So I think the only reason why I say that is because I think context matters, right? If, 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 it's, mm -hmm. if it's that type of person. Um, but when we talk about this study, I, I agree with the results because just anecdotally, right, um, longer hugs, that's kind of how I've always kind of judged, you know, I don't want to say how familiar, but I guess how fond of myself, somebody, how fond of me somebody else is, right? Especially if we're talking about like a relationship kind of thing or, um, you know, like a, a woman that I'm trying to get to get to know or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay, because okay. if we're being honest, like pardon my one track, my, I don't hug a lot of men. That's just me. I just don't hug a lot of men. But that, that's that's your way in is the hug. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, right. Got so it. anecdotally, you know, it's kind of like if it's somebody that I'm interested in, the longer they embrace me, you know, and the closer they embrace me, the more liked I feel, you know. Whereas if it's a brief hug with, with not a lot of contact, I don't kind of feel that energy, you know. Um so and, and then I, that kind of matches up anecdotally, like what, what I do, right, in real life. Because if it's somebody who I'm fond of, I'm going to kind of hug them and linger a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And if it's somebody who I really didn't want to hug anyway, I'm either going to use your line and say it's COVID time, or I'm going to give yeah. them a, you know, a two-second hug and all keep day. it moving. Yeah, all day. Um, so, like, reading through this uh, this study... Like I, I like I agree. Like I wasn't really surprised. Um, and I think even more so is that the pandemic really deprives a lot of people of like hugging at a time where people needed it most, right? So a lot right. of people weren't able to see their family members. So I feel like um, you know, that's a consideration. So so it really it comes no surprise that like longer hugs were rated the best while like one second hug resulted in like, you know, lower immediate pleasure. Um, I was a little surprised that the style of embrace really didn't seem to matter. Like as far as like around the neck and like, I would have thought like, like how we were just talking, like I would have thought that that would have had an impact. But, re but remember, bro, I, it might have something to do with the first experience. The first study was all women. Mm. And I, and I, and again, I'm just. I think maybe because what I was going to bring up after you said that, and I was like, I wonder if you brought gender into it with the positioning of with, with the, with the embrace matter. Right. Um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just thinking traditionally, some people like hugging up and down and, you know, it might yeah. make you feel, you know, um, but it's a good point, you know? Yeah. It's a height thing. So I'm going to be honest, Jim, I'm going to keep it 100. Um, 10 seconds is a long time to hug somebody, bro. You know, like that, that is a long time to hug. Like, yeah, you got, you got problems, man. Yeah. You like, problems. you know, like I can only imagine 10 seconds if it's like a drunken hug. You know what I mean? Like if somebody comes up to you, ah, right. you know, Listen. hey, we're hugging, you Listen. know, but like that, that's a long time. Like I'm, I'm a dude who's like, I'm, I'm counting right now, right? I'm, I'm on my I, phone. I'm counting. We're at I don't think seconds. it's a, I don't think it's a long time. I mean, dude, we're still hugging right now. Like, we just started from <laughs> <laughs> No, man, listen, man. Like, listen, like, bro. There's something, like... <laughs> there's something going on with you, man, because first the social media thing with, with the catfishing anxiety. Okay. Now, you don't, now you don't like physical contact longer than three seconds. Listen, What's going on? Seven look seven to ten seven to ten seconds of a hug, bro. Is like depending on who you are, could be borderline harassment. Okay, well, I'm just saying, like I'm just saying, longer hugs. I say proceed with caution. I'm I'm playing it safe. That was ten seconds, man. I, 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 I'm gonna let everybody know right now. Doctor J loves long hugs. There you go. We'll leave there that out there. There it is. 
Mm-hmm. You know what? And if you're a lucky listener or subscriber or watcher, I don't don't do or Christmas. <laughs> you can go. <laughs> you can. We will set you up to get yourself a nice little bear hug. But what do you, you can 10 15? You good for that? Or yeah, see, you you're trying to get me put off this, this show, man. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, man. I, I know, but you know, the results, I'm just saying you gotta be a little safe with that, man. I, I 10 seconds is a long time, but I no, get I, I, I could yeah. dig it because when you was timing it, it sounded longer. Yeah, see, so you know. But, um, yeah, so that's that's what it is, man. We were um we're doing research on hugs, man. You know, the 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 psychology world is never done. You know, but listen, I, I think the point that you made, like, you know, of course, we, we, we kind of taking this a little light because the other ones other story has been a little heavy. Um, but I think the point that you made was good. Right. Like um, I uh, wrote that actually down before we started talking, just like COVID because of COVID, we had no more hug. You know, we couldn't hug each other. Right. And I remember like a year and a half into it when we finally got vaccinated and all that. I was sitting around, I saw my aunt, you know, and I realized that I hadn't hugged my aunt in like a year and a half, mm-hmm. you know, um, that makes a difference, man. You Big know? difference, you know, so, you know, one of those things that I think people tend to take for granted, right? It's just that kind of small embrace, but like, it means, it means so much. It's very impactful, especially like you said, when it's your loved one, you haven't been able to see your aunt, you haven't been able to see some other relatives. And so like, just being able to like, you know, feel them and touch them. Big difference, man. Makes a, Absolutely. Makes a huge difference. So, you know, we'll um, you know, uh, we'll continue to to watch that. That was a that was a pretty cool study. And uh, you know, we'll get your information out there, man, for your hugging session. You know, yeah, right. It feels good. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else, anything else before we get out of here, Jay? Nah, just um, of course, we want to thank everybody um, you know, who takes the time to listen. Um it, definitely means a lot just please continue to like the videos share the videos and we, we're going to keep up with the content absolutely man we appreciate the love we appreciate the support um because and email email dr uh, osborne tell him how wrong he is about uh hugging yeah 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 do 10 that. seconds or more yeah i would love i would love everybody's feedback about that, that that's makes for great conversation you know um yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We're definitely going to have a part two, Jack. We got it. We got it. We got to continue. Hey, man, part two. Yeah. All right, everybody. So appreciate everybody listening, watching, and, um, you know, subscribe, watch, listen, comment, um, you know, send some questions through to our, our email, the Black Psychologist Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Jay, until next time, good brother. Stay safe. You know, wishing you good mental health along with everybody else out there, bro. All right, man. Later. And remember, prioritize your mental health. Absolutely.